The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, JaVale Vacation Rentals, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our Bay Area realtor, Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swung lane, drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is going to This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome into the Powers on Sports Podcast. We are on the brink of the NCAA tournament starting on Thursday at 12 noon. Uh, The play-in games have wrapped up in Dayton. You have winners in Arizona State, Fairleigh Dickinson, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and... Pittsburgh will advance out of the play-ins in Dayton into their regions as we wrap into uh, uh, the first Thursday, Friday, the NCAA, the first and first and second rounds this weekend with regions and locations all over the country. Um, have you got your bracket in? If you haven't, it's probably too late if you're listening to this podcast at this point. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, picks, sleeper picks that I that I think. Have a great chance to uh, get to the Final Four. I'm going to give you seven teams that I think out of these seven, four of them are going to make the Final Four. And I'll give you a couple sleeper teams as well to make a deep run, but maybe not quite make the Final Four. I'll give you a couple gambling uh, angles as well. Uh, there's some interesting uh, games on the gambling front if you are if you so indulge. And uh, my question is, how many brackets do you do? How many is too many? I know a lot of people have the th- are in a bunch of different bracket pools. I got to say, I probably do three different brackets. Is is is, is kind of my number. A lot of people do one and only one, uh, but I like to do three. I kind of have one where I, that's the one I really think is going to happen. I'm, I'm in a couple pools, uh, but I will the the one that you know the pool that typically is that has the most uh, return on my investment will be the one I put my primary bracket in, but I also do mix it up a little bit, having a couple of upsets and a couple of different Final Four uh, changes in case uh, invariably somebody's going to get beat one of the ones, you know, there's going to be upsets and you got to take a little take a little chance on a couple of upsets and such. So, all right, March Madness. Again, we have uh, Thursday, Friday. I'll be watching games all day Thursday, all day Friday, most of the day Saturday, Sunday. So this is a basketball junkies weekend if, of all of all things. So uh, a lot of lot of lot of things flowing. If you're out at your favorite sports bar, if you're at a sports book somewhere out in Vegas, or any of these other casinos that have sports books, definitely enjoy the next uh, next four days, especially the next two Thursday, Friday. Here you go. I'm gonna start. Let's start with some sleepers. I'm gonna give you three teams that are sleepers um, that I think can make a deep run and, pu- and pull a couple of. Indiana, a lot of inside action. They got they got a really good inside play. The only thing concerns me about Indiana is their perimeter shooting, but again, they have a lot of size on the interior. Jackson Davis. Uh, they have a really good point guard, Shafino Hood. So I like Indiana in the region in the Midwest. 
could potentially have to play Houston at some point in the Sweet 16. We don't know what the status of Marcus Sasser is for Houston, but I do like Indiana to potentially make a little run in the Midwest and potentially get to a Final Eight scenario. I like Creighton in the East. If you look at the draw, Creighton is is a six seed. They uh, let me find Creighton here. Creighton is playing NC State. Excuse me, they're not in the East; they're in the South region. I think Creighton has some size. They've got some shooting. I do like Creighton potentially to get to the Final Eight as well. They would have to deal with probably Arizona in the Sweet Sixteen, but I think Creighton has a draw that they could they could do some damage in the in the South bracket as well. And in the other in the East bracket, I like Memphis. They are the eight seed in the in the uh, bracket in the East. Could potentially have to see Purdue in round two. Have a very tough opponent in FAU round one, but they have the size and the physicality that can match up with Zach Eady, the big Purdue center. So I do like Penny Hardaway in Memphis to potentially make a run. But here are my seven teams that I think can get that will get four out of these seven will get to the final four. I like Gonzaga and Connecticut in one region in the West. In the Midwest, I like Texas. In the East region, I like Alabama and Arizona. That's kind of a chalk one there. I think one of those two teams will get out of the East. I'm sorry, out of the South. And in the East region, I like Duke and Marquette. I know Marquette's a two. I think Duke is underseated as a five as well as they're playing. They're 18 and one when they've had their starting lineup together this year, and everybody's healthy for Duke. I know they have a lot of young guys, but I think Duke is playing really well. They got some size. They have enough perimeter shooting. So those out of those seven teams, I think those you're going to have your final four teams out of those seven teams: Gonzaga, Connecticut, Texas, Duke, Marquette. Arizona and 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 Alabama. A couple uh, games that I like from a gambling perspective. I like Miami in round one. They're about a two point favorite over Drake. I don't. I think Miami will figure out a way to get it done in round one against Drake. Again, there is there some, uh, an injury situation there with one of their big men, but I think the guard play of Miami is really good. You got the Player of the Year in the ACC. Isaiah Wong, so I like Miami minus the two on Friday against Drake. I also like in a slightly like North Carolina Asheville plus the 17 and a half or 18 against UCLA. I think I don't think Asheville's gonna win the game, but I think Asheville can keep the game close. They got a player, they got the Big South player of the year, Drew Pember, seven-footer, can shoot from the interior and the outside. Got another good score, Tajon Jones. So I do think Asheville can keep the game close. UCLA doesn't blow a lot of people out. They're missing a couple of guys, a couple of key players, and they're not a huge scoring team. They're more of a defensive team. So I think UCLA will win the game, but I could see that game being a, a fairly close game for the most part throughout. Uh, I also like College of Charleston plus the five against San Diego State. Again, not positive they can win the game, but Charleston has won over 30 games this year. San Diego is a a lower-scoring team, very good team out of the Mountain West. I could see College of Charleston winning the game, but I definitely like the five points that they are getting in the game as well. you have. I also like Memphis minus one and a half against FAU. FAU is a great story out of the uh, CUSA, but Memphis has a couple of pros on their team. Good coach Penny Hardaway, very athletic, so I, and, and they're playing well here at the end of the year. Beaten they've beaten Houston twice in the last ten days or so. So there's a couple of early round games, and I also like Arkansas minus the two against 
Illinois on Thursday. They're an 8-9 seed. They'll potentially play the winner of that game, plays Kansas most likely. So I think that the win, I think if Arkansas wins that game, they're going to give Kansas all they want in round two. But I do like Arkansas uh, minus the two early on there in the uh, bracket. So there's some NCAA uh, news and notes for you. Well, again, we don't know what the status of Marcus Sasser is from Houston. Uh, we um, again, Brandon Miller, Alabama is going to play. Obviously, all the all the drama going on with the Alabama program around the uh, the murder on the Alabama campus earlier in the year. Uh, so, lots of nuggets. We're going to talk to Mike Grace coming up here just when we're done here. When I'm done giving some thoughts, Mike is a uh, the host of the Press Box Radio Show, based out of the uh, in the South. In the uh, he's got radio affiliates in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. Mike does a great job uh, covering the SEC. We're going to talk to Mike about the tournament, about some of the SEC stuff going on in Alabama, some Major League Baseball, new rules in MLB, and I'm also a uh, I also help Mike on his radio show from time to time. I've been uh, uh, stepping and help him uh, host the show now and again, and uh, appreciate uh, the the opportunity for Mike to do that, and thoroughly enjoy doing that. Mike does a great job. It's a it's a daily show from eight to ten a.m. Eastern time throughout the Southeast. You can go to pressboxradio.com. You can find the app online. Has a tremendous uh, guest list. Guys like Tim Brando. We had uh, Coach Pete Gillen, the former uh, Xavier and Virginia coach, on this week. Al- uh, many, many play-by-play announcers. A lot of big-time guests. John Sunvold from the SEC Network. Dane Bradshaw. Lots of guys that are in the know, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, baseball stuff coming up. So it's a, it's a, it's a very good show. Again, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time as well. Remember, you can find my Twitter handle, JPO Sports. Love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, and if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button uh, on your podcast platform. So, all right, a couple notes in the NFL, and then we will get uh, in the Mike Grace will be coming up here. Free agency is officially underway, the new league year. We finally heard from Aaron Rodgers. He made all indications he's going to the Jets, just waiting for the compensation to be finalized between the Jets and Green Bay. But again, the... Like I told people from the get-go, he was going to announce it on Pat McAfee's show, where he's been a regular contributor for a couple of years now, and he did just that. That he, uh, his intentions are to uh, go to the New York Jets and be traded. Uh, so again, we knew that was happening. The question is, what's the trade compensation going to be? It'd be very interesting. I think in the end, the Jets will end up giving up either two, uh, either a two and a three. This year, next year, or potentially a number one uh, next year. Um, I don't know if they'll get a number one pick this year. I do think the Jets will have to give up some compensation this year. I could see them giving up maybe a a two this year and a three next year, or two and a two, something like that. They're not giving up two number ones for for Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers based on his contractual situation and his age. They're not going to do that. Other interesting note is no offers yet for Lamar Jackson, who's on the non-exclusive franchise tag. No one has has made him an offer as of yet. Uh, remember, if he's if somebody makes him an offer, uh, the the Ravens will have seven days to match the offer. If they decide not to match an offer, uh, the Ravens will get two number one draft picks in return for for Lamar Jackson. So again, Lamar the hang up seems to have, have, have continues to be. 
how much of the contract is guaranteed. You're seeing a lot of uh, barbs being exchanged between Lamar Jackson and some people from ESPN reporting different things, contract offers. So we'll see how that goes. Again, NFL free agency is in full swing. Some of the big moves uh, that have occurred. One, uh, Zeke Elliott has been released. Jadavion Clowney released. Two, uh, Baker Mayfield has signed to go to Tampa to, to compete with Kyle Trask. So the Bucks kind of have have uh, temporarily, you know, figured out what their quarterback dilemma is going to be. Orlando Brown, the big offensive lineman from Kansas City, has signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Miles Sanders, the running back for the Eagles, is now in Carolina. And a couple of trades that I think of are very good trades for these teams. Darren Waller traded from Vegas to the Giants. A great trade for the Giants, in my opinion. Uh, Stephon Gilmore traded from the Colts to Dallas. You pair him up with uh, uh, Diggs in Dallas. A very formidable defensive alignment there. Uh, remember, Jimmy G also signed with Vegas. So Jimmy G is going to be the new quarterback in Las Vegas, which means they'll probably still draft somebody. And remember, Carolina has traded up to the number one pick in the draft with the Bears. The Bears drop down to nine. The Bears get Carolina's number one pick next year, the number two pick this year, and a key cog in DJ Moore. The, the wide receiver now goes to Chicago to help Justin Fields. That was a major part of this trade. That's a great job by the, by the Bears to acquire him and, uh, and drop down to number nine. Carolina. Had there's some speculation that they might potentially drop down from one back to somewhere in the top three or four, depending on the quarterback situation. There's not a consensus yet of who they take. I think if they stay at one, they would take C.J. Stroud, um, but we'll see. Anthony Richardson had a tremendous uh, combine, so we'll see where, where he's at, but there's no way you can take Richardson at number one, I don't think. Carolina did sign Andy Dalton as kind of an insurance policy to the, whoever they draft. So could they potentially maybe take Richardson at one if you have Andy Dalton who could start half the year for you or something like that? Potentially, but I do think it'll still be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at number one. I think Houston will take whoever's left uh, at number two. And then the drama will begin of where does Richardson and Will Levis go? Uh, how far does Jalen Carter fall? Apparently he came, he was out of shape and not in very good condition at his pro day at Georgia earlier this week. So we'll see how that affects things. Obviously, Carter has the off-the-field issues with the car accident he was involved in at Georgia. So we'll see how that goes. But free agency underway, a lot of moves. Where will OBJ end up? Could he end up in New York with the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers? We'll see. Did Aaron Rodgers submit a wish list of guys he wants? Alan Lazard signed in New York. Will Mercedes Lewis, will uh, you know Randall Cobb sign there? There's speculation that there was a list. Aaron Rodgers totally refuted that on Pat McAfee's show, but who knows? You know, there's you know there was talks between uh, management and Aaron Rodgers about guys he likes. Could OBJ end up there? Remember, they've already got Garrett Wilson. They've got Brees Hall. Uh, you know, so they've got some good players, got a good defense, got a pretty decent offensive line. So you don't need much more in New York, and you're, you'll be a pretty formidable offense, but you do have to finalize the trade. Salary cap implications with Green Bay and the Jets as far as Rodgers' uh, signing bonuses and all that stuff and the salary cap hits. We'll be interested to see what the Packers do and how long they string this out. But uh, Rodgers will end up in New York. It's just a matter of when he gets there. Um, and who's paying how much of the salary. So there's your NFL update. There'll be more stuff as we move forward. Uh, last note, and then we'll get to Mike Grace. NBA announced they are suspending John Morant for a total of eight games, but those eight games already include the games he's missed. 
Uh, I think he's already missed like five or six, so he's only got a couple more left theoretically. I don't like that they suspended him with time served. I wish they would have done an additional set of games. Uh, apparently Morant checked himself into a counseling center in Florida. He's coming out with an interview here in the next day or so. So you'll be hearing from Morant about his remorse, about all the things he did, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? I don't care, Ja. Show us by your actions. You need to get some control of the people around you, whether it's the family, whether it's the fellas in the uh, entourage when you're traveling and all those things. But you are burning up hundreds of millions of dollars of potential revenue to you and your team by doing the, the clownish things that you're doing with the guns and all that stuff. There's a long litany of incidents in the last couple of years involving Morant, whether it's altercations at, at pickup games, weapons, traveling situations with the Grizzlies, lots of stuff going on. And the guy and you need, hopefully you've realized the the ills of your ways and you will change your behavior because you're a hell of a talent. You're an all-NBA type of player in a good franchise, but the clownish stuff you're doing off the court can get you killed. You, you screw around with a gun with the wrong guy, one thing goes wrong and you're dead. So please, John Morant, I know you're not listening, but if you are, straighten up, bro. You got, you got hundreds of millions of dollars in front of you, whether it's endorsements, contractual stuff with your long career. You're a good guy. Do the right thing. Get rid of some of the, the hangers-ons and all that good stuff and get and get some people in the family in line and get them to understand this ain't no joke. So uh, there you have it. Mike Grace coming up, host of the Press Box. Uh, we'll be coming up right after we take a couple of timeouts here. And we'll be back with Mike Grace, host of the Press Box Sports Radio Show. Now a word from Jaleel Vacation Rentals. Are you heading down to the Caribbean this spring, summer, or any time during 2023? Well, if so, and St. Martin's is your location, reach out to Jeffrey Shaner, 941-830-0056. He will set you up with an oceanside, two-bedroom, two-bath, penthouse condominium that you can rent. VRBO.com is the place to check out the condo, listing number 650-201. Whether you want to take the family, that special someone, friends for a weekend, a week, or even a month, reach out to Jeffrey Shaner, 941-830-0056. St. Martin is a beautiful part of the Caribbean. It's half French, half Dutch, plenty of things to do, plenty of nightlife, and again, Two-bedroom, two-bath, penthouse condominium. Jeffrey Shaner, 941-830-0056, VRBO.com, listing number 650-201, and give them the promo code JASON2023. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. 
corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to be a first-time home buyer looking to upsize or even downsize your current property situation? Reach out to Jason Powers at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404, anywhere in the state of Florida. Let's get you pre-approved, figure out how much money, how much house you can afford, whether it's an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo loan, even bank statement loans if you're self-employed, we can help you. You need to buy, you want to build a home. We got a new construction loan available for you. Are you looking to renovate your home? There are renovation loans available and we are experts in the renovation loan it part of the uh, home financing business. Reach out to me, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. From Miami to Orlando to Jacksonville in Pensacola and anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending where it, my loan gets you into your home. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Hopefully you enjoyed, uh, gave you some nuggets and some tidbits as you head into your NCAA tournament bracket and your weekend full of hoops, hoops, and more hoops. But now we are going to be joined by Mr. Mike Grace. Mike is the host of the Press Box Radio Show based out of Atlanta. Mike's been kind enough to allow me to be a part of his show a little bit from time to time. And so we're going to talk to Mike about uh, Mike's really uh, entrenched, talks a lot of SEC on his radio show. So we're going to talk about the Alabama situation. Mike's a huge baseball fan. Mike's a play-by-play guy in his past. So we're going to talk to Mike all about all things broadcasting and a little sports of the day. So welcome in, Mike Grace. First of all, just great to to return the favor, man. You have been such a big friend to to, to our show, The Press Box, which you can find online anytime, pressboxradio.com. I'll throw that plug out there and get it out of the way. But really do appreciate all the all the time and, and effort and energy and talent that you brought to the press box. And it's been great having you as a part of the show. And so it's great to return the favor, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. Mike's, uh, if you don't know, uh, Mike's had a long storied career in the broadcasting world. He was the voice of the Samford Bull, Bulldogs, which is a school, not Stanford, Samford <laughs> in Birmingham, Alabama, a place that I, I've known Mike. I've known heard Mike call many, many games in, uh, at Samford over the years when I lived in Birmingham. So Mike's done a, had a great, great career. And now he's uh, obviously hosting uh, the press box radio and does a lot of freelance stuff. He does tell me the bowl game. What's the bowl game you do? The well, college we, football. We, yeah. We do the lending tree bowl down in mobile. I've been in part of that uh, for all. I just finished up my 22nd year wow. as the uh, play-by-play voice for the lending tree bowl. What has been the uh, dollar general bowl, the GoDaddy bowl, the GMAC bowl, et cetera. Uh, been a great, great uh, history of that bowl game down in mobile and the guys who run it have been kind enough to, to keep me a part of it. And it's just a pleasure to do that uh, every year. I actually got to do in my freelance years, just the last couple of years, I did your Blazers a bunch, man. I did both radio and TV okay. for your Blazers over the years, which is always fun. I changed Very my uh, colors from red and blue, Sanford red and blue to uh, <laughs> maybe green and gold and enjoyed it thoroughly, man. So yeah, I always enjoyed that. How, did you guys, when you were at Sanford, did you guys ever make the NCAA tournament, the men's side? We did not on the men's. I did do a pair of NCAA women's tournament games okay. for Sanford women's team that won the SOCON tournament a couple of times. The men never got to go to the big dance under uh, during my 10 years. We did play in the CBI one year. Yep, I yep. got to host a game in the CBI. 
but that was it. But, uh, you know, that's a Sanford program that really was kind of uh, tough days during, during my time there, but they're much better now. Uh, Bucky McMillan, who's a, a longtime yep. high school coach in the Birmingham area, made Mountain Brook a powerhouse uh, in, in that community. He's been hired by uh, Martin Newton, the athletic director at Sanford, and uh, they won the SoCon regular season this year, did get upset in the tournament, so they didn't make the dance. But uh, they're they're on the rise. That, that's a, that's a program to look for in the, in the Southern Conference. This I'm Sanford. pretty sure I was. I know I was in the building, and I'm you, I'm pretty sure you were there when Steph Curry, his senior year at Davidson, came through Samford. That magical run by by Davidson. Just talk about was he the best player you ever saw in the oh, SoCon? Without a doubt. And I and I got to see him for several years as as he worked for for Davidson, and was just a I mean, just a freak man. He was so good. Here's the thing though. Sanford nearly beat them. They had Sanford had a three at the buzzer. I remember that, that game that that would have tied the game and sent it to overtime. But yeah, Davidson escaped with a with a three point win. It's the only sellout in the history of that building. The Pete Hanna Center, which seats five thousand, went full. It's the only sellout in in the 10, 12 year history of that building, and it was worth it that day because uh, Steph 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 Curry certainly put on a show with the Davidson Wildcats. Yeah, how'd you get into broadcasting? Tell me your kind of your career journey and how how you got into doing what you do. Well, man, I loved a radio ever since I could turn one on. And and as a kid, I'm a little older than you, Jason. I was born in 60, 61, so I am 61. Uh, and, and it was music radio that, that that fascinated me as a kid, so I wanted to be a DJ. And I got the chance to do that as a uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year in high school. After just hanging around the local radio stations in Vicksburg, Mississippi, I got a guy to hire me. And I got to do, uh, I literally worked a five-hour shift, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., uh, seven days a week for, wow. for two years to get to do that, but loved it, had a blast doing it. Um, and it, it just led me to a, to a career elsewhere. I worked uh, in Starkville, Mississippi, uh, while I was going to Mississippi state university there for a while, and then just did that. And it's, it's a funny thing. I was never smart enough to put sports radio together, which didn't exist when, when, when right. I was, you know, and there was no such thing as sports radio. Yes, there was sports play by play, but I thought, man, there, those jobs are so few and far between. I never, I was never smart enough to put my love of sports and my love of radio together. It happened crazy. I was doing mornings for a rock station in Mobile in, uh, in the year 2000 and, or actually 1995, pardon me, uh, in 95. And my program director came to me and said, you're a sports guy, right? You like sports? I said, sure. He said, well, Monday we're changing formats. We're going to be the first FM sports talk station in the country. Wow. And we did WNSP 105.5 in Mobile, Alabama was the first uh, FM sports talk show or sports talk radio station. And I did mornings for them for five years, served as their operations director, got the chance to do my first real play-by-play as a part of that crew doing uh, high school games and stuff like that. And that's kind of what started my, my sports career. I left them in 2000, formed my own uh, production company and have been freelancing ever since with that 10 year stint in, in Sanford thrown in there. But it's just something I've always loved, man. Radio to me was, uh, um, you know, it was the, it was the magic of closing your eyes and picturing yourself. That's the way I grew up, man, especially watching sports. Um, we got one at the, again, I, I'm going to sound so old when I do this, but it's the truth. We got one game a week, Saturday it's afternoon. True. It's true. I remember it? that. On, I remember television. NBC, used to yeah. be NBC baseball game of the week or Monday it. night football. That was about it. So I would sit in my bedroom on a Saturday night as a, as a 10, 12, even 14 year old. And just scan the AM dial, listening for uh, Cardinals games on KMOX. Right. Uh, I, I could get WLS out of New Orleans, uh, or not WS. Uh, oh gosh, W uh, WWL. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, WWL in New Orleans, and listen to games there. Um, listening to Jack Crystal do Mississippi State games. A guy named I uh, grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi. A guy named Stan Torgerson 
was the old Ole Miss play-by-play guy at the time. Um, and and so, yeah, I just I, I listened to that. It was the theater of the mind. And the chance to do that uh, full-time, uh, man, I've had a really, <laughs> a really blessed career in that regard, getting to do something I love to do pretty much every day. Yeah. Well, the show you're doing now, Press Box Radio, you're based right there in the middle of SEC country. You do the show out of Atlanta, but you got affiliates all over the Southeast and Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. So uh, Utah, we talk a lot of uh, SEC stuff and throughout the year. Talk to me about um, – I know you have a, a – give, give the, if you, those in the audience that don't know the, the details, obviously the Brandon Miller situation in Alabama, he wasn't involved directly in the, uh, the, the homicide that resulted in a young lady passing away. There's been some nuggets that have come out that did he drive the the car with the weapon in it to the guys who actually did the allegedly did the uh, the shooting. Just talk about the, the how you thought. I know you've had a strong opinion of how you thought Alabama's handled that situation. You know, I know it kind of it was it it came up two months ago. It kind of went quiet for about a month or so, and then about three weeks ago or so, it really came back into the into the forefront when. Uh, the grand jury got together. Yeah. So give the audience a little perspective of how you think Alabama's handled that situation in general. Well, the, the first thing I would say about this is, is this is one of those situations, especially uh, Jason, where facts count, man. I mean, facts matter in, in a, in a situation like this. And when the original incident occurred uh, on the strip, an area in Tuscaloosa, uh, home of the Alabama uh, university of Alabama, uh, not far from campus. As a matter of fact, we're right. students hang out uh, again, it's called the strip. And there was an incident there where uh, Darius Miles, who was a member of the Alabama basketball team, was involved with an, a childhood friend of his uh, in downtown uh, Tuscaloosa in a shooting that took the life uh, of a young lady, um, I think 20 years old. Jamia Harris was her name, uh, mother of a five-year-old. She lost her life in, in a shooting that took place there in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, we knew originally that Darius Miles was involved. He was immediately uh, suspended from the university and kicked off the Alabama basketball team. Right. And at the time, that's all we knew. Uh, we were told by head coach Nate Oates, by athletic director Greg Byrne, and everyone involved with the University of Alabama that that was it. That was the involvement. All of their players have been talked to. They've all been cooperating with authorities, and that was that. And uh, they 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 handled it by dismissing Darius Miles from the team, and that was that. As you mentioned, we had a preliminary hearing a month or so later that brought out some brand new testimony when a Tuscaloosa city detective testified that the gun used in the murder, and it wasn't Darius miles, by the way, the former Bama player who pulled the trigger. It was his childhood friend who did so, but it was Darius miles gun. And we learned in the testimony that day that the gun was transported to the scene in the back seat of Brandon Miller's car. Now uh, his, his attorney came out, Miller's attorney came out quickly and said, look, Brandon didn't even know the gun was there, okay? And and that can be debated. We can go back and forth on that. But the, the best evidence that that's true is the fact that Brandon Miller has not been charged with anything right. by Tuscaloosa police, by by the, the district attorney that has brought murder, uh, murder charges against Darius Miles and his childhood friend. So no charges against against Brandon Miller. So I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But in the next couple of days, it, 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 was, it was terrible on the day that this happened. Uh, uh, media met with head coach Nate Oates following a regular practice, his regular midweek press conference. He's asked about the new information. And, and, and all we know is that he says, um, yeah, it's a sad situation. Brandon Miller, basically wrong place, wrong time. That was the essence 
of his of his response. Well, we find very out flippant, next, very flippant very about flippant. how his response. Yeah, and and obviously the national media went nuts, and even the local media did. Well, we find out the next day when Greg Byrne, the director of athletics, appears on the Paul Feinbaum show. I think it was. Yeah. Where he says now that hey, we learned new information yesterday, and that look, Coach Oates misspoke, misspoke because he wasn't aware of the testimony that came out the day before. Right. Well, that's fine, but here, here's my issue again, and I'm not throwing Brandon Miller under the bus. I have no reason to believe that this guy is guilty of anything other than, again, you know, maybe associating with with some some folks he maybe shouldn't have associated with. But again, it was a teammate at the time, right? But here's the I really do have a problem. Greg Byrne came out that day, uh, the day after the trial, and said, we learned some new facts that day. So apparently they didn't know all that there was to know uh, a month earlier. Uh, they didn't know. And, and, and it would have been so easy at the time to say, look, even if you didn't want to name him by name, to say, look, the the authorities have identified two more of our players, because there was, it wasn't just Brandon Miller. It's also Jaden Bradley, another member of the, of the of the Bama team. Right. There are two teammates who were involved, but we are told by authorities are witnesses only. And and for that reason, we're going to keep their their uh, identity anonymous. Right. And that would have been fine. We wouldn't have had to know who it was, but tell us at the beginning that there were two other players involved. You didn't tell us that. You right. told us that was it. Darius Miles was the only guy involved and everything else was fine. Well, that wasn't the truth, fellas. And so you blew it originally. You blew it when Nate Oates said, uh, you know, yeah, wrong place, wrong time. You blew it the next day when you told us that you learned information today during trial that you didn't know before. Right. I was just very, 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 very disappointed with the way the University of Alabama, the way Greg Byrne is athletic director, and the way Nate Oates as head coach handled and are still handling the situation. And I've I've thrown some some pointed some fingers well at, at, at national media, even Greg Gumble, who this past Sunday afternoon on the selection show. How did he phrase it? He was, uh, oh gosh, you'll have to help me remember how he phrased it. It was, it was a weird he criminal was a, criminal allegation yeah, or criminal involved in some criminal activity. Yeah, of which no charges were brought, and now they're the number one seed in the, in the national tournament. That that was it. That was all Greg Gumbel said right. about the issue. And my point is, if you're going to address it, then you need to address it in detail. You can't just throw that out there. Yes, he was involved in criminal activity. Um, not to where charges were brought against him, but I just thought Alabama as a whole, from a PR standpoint, could have managed this a whole lot better than they did. And we're in a position now, Jason, where just wait. Uh, I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but but when we're talking, there's an upcoming press conference. Nate Oates is going to meet the media today. Yes, Wednesday. We're, we're doing yeah. this Wednesday morning. So, so Nate Oates is going to talk to the press later today, ahead of there or behind their practice uh, prior to uh, tomorrow's NCAA tournament opener for the Crimson Tide. And you know he's going to be asked about it. You know the national media is going to be here. They haven't been basically in the in the regular press conferences the last couple of months. Right. They'll be here today, and they're going to ask Brandon Miller if, if he appears before the media, and certainly Nate Oates, the head coach, about it. And I'm really interested to see what the answer is going to be. Look, it's not going to be much. The one time Brandon Miller did meet with the media last week ahead of the SEC tournament, I thought he spoke quite eloquently. He basically said it, it's a horrible tragedy. We cannot lose side of the fact that that, right. that the young person lost their life and a family is suffering because of that. And respectfully, that's about all I can say. And and that that's that's as eloquent as you can be in a situation like that. So I don't expect anything more from Nate Oates and or Brandon Miller, but I hope that what they do say is well thought out, is planned, 
Um, they shouldn't be caught off guard by this the way yeah. they were time and time and time again in the early part of this story. And the other part of this story that kind of has bothered a lot of people around the country is that Brandon Miller hasn't missed one minute of time. Not one been, minute. I mean, not, I mean, and again, not that you have to kick him off the team if he didn't do anything wrong, but most of the time, bad judgment, a bad, you know, some kind of penalty for for putting yourself in a bad spot. And and that could have been done so easily at the beginning. Yes. When you suspend him for two games, uh, something right. along those lines, you do it at the beginning. And, and and look, by doing so, you would have obviously given up his identity, which I, I don't think that's a that's a that would have been a big deal. You say, look, he was involved, but strictly as a witness. Right. But because he was in the area, because he was out past curfew, because I got it, this happened at 1240 or, or one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I gotta believe this. And this was after they had just beaten LSU. At Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa by 40 that afternoon. Right. So I think you could have afforded to sit the young man for a couple of games, get it out of the way, and and that would have been that. Uh, the, the information we would have learned when the preliminary hearing did occur a, a month later would have been new revelation as regards to how the 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 gun got there in the backseat right. of Brandon Miller's car. But some discipline regarding Brandon Miller would have already taken place. As it is now, zero discipline has been has been issued to Brandon Miller. And they can't do it now. If they right. do it now, you can't. Then, yeah, they're not doing they, it. Yeah, now. yeah, they're not doing it now. They, they even when when they uh, had the chance, uh, the second time around, we'll get them after the preliminary hearing. If they did it then, well, then they're admitting they made a mistake by not doing it earlier. Right. So, just the, from a PR standpoint, this this has been an absolute nightmare for Alabama in the way they've handled it, and uh, it, it will continue to be as as long as a Bama's still playing in the in the tournament. Yeah. And, and Miller is, is obviously a first-team All-American, the first-ever Alabama player to be, na be named first-team All-American ever in the history of the program. He was the SEC MVP. I mean, no doubt he'll be a top-five NBA draft pick after this year. But, and again, the other part of this conversation is if he was the sixth guy off the bench, would he have been on the team or would they have done something different two months ago? We never – who knows? Well, Jason, I think you were here for my diatribe the day I said uh, I, I I addressed Nate Oates on this yep. radio program and Greg Byrne, the athletic director, who I don't know. They, they've both been on the show in, in the past. You know, I started the show. Uh, my partners were J.D. Byers, who is the longtime radio voice for the Jaguars of South Alabama, and Chris Stewart, longtime right. voice of the Crimson right. Tide. I think he's in his 22nd year as the voice of Alabama basketball. We started the show with them, and because of that, we've had – We've had those guys on the radio program, and they've been great, and that's been fantastic. But but I, I said again, and really addressing Nate Oates regarding his basketball team, you got everything, man, a basketball team could ask for. These guys have got talent. They've got depth. They've got inside presence. They've got outside presence. They play defense like crazy. They've yeah. got everything it takes to win a national championship except one thing, and that one thing is class. And, and they have had chances to show it, and they just, again, he had a technical foul called on him in the final two minutes of a SEC tournament championship game that he's leading by 20 points. Yeah. Bad look. Sit down and watch the game and, and win with a little class. Right. How hard is that to do? Right. And people people jumped at me and said, oh, Mike, if, if Bama was your team, you'd be okay with it. And I say, no, I wouldn't. My baseball team is the Braves from Atlanta, okay? And two years ago, they won the World Series, and they did it with class. Right. You can say what you want to about Jorge Soler standing at home plate and watching his ball leave the, the park. But when you hit it out of the stadium, you get it. You you have the right to sit there and watch it. Okay. Right. I just thought what what Atlanta did, they did so with class. They did so as a team. Right. They gave you know everybody was giving credit to the other guys. 
I don't sense that. I don't sense that from this Alabama team. And look, they are going to be. It's one thing they're playing in Birmingham this weekend, and that's fantastic. And you would you would think they're certainly favored to go all the way through and get to the round of Sweet 16 uh, for the second time in Nate Oates' tenure, as a matter right, of fact. Right. Uh, but don't make any mistake. When they leave Birmingham, yep. they it's will, game on. Not, they game will on. not be a fan favorite. The crowds they play in front of following this weekend will not be on Alabama's side. And Count you're on. on social media. You saw some interesting pictures of some people with some T-shirts at the SEC tournament oh. relating to Brandon oh. Miller's situation and some comments Look, that, and that's, some, yeah. That, that's as classless yep. as classless gets. And if you missed it, the, the, the front of the shirt was great. The front of the shirt said GOATS, G-O-A-T-S, and the yep. A was the Alabama script. That's yep. fantastic. Yep. The back of the shirt said, literally, guys, this is no joke. Yep. Killing our way through the SEC in 23. I mean, crazy, man. That's on the back of your shirt. You walk into an SEC tournament game, and you're approached by a, a couple of different media members to say, you know, just ask you about the, the shirt, and your response to them is, get the F out of my face. Oh my that, that's how you respond to them. <laughs> and, and look, that, I'm not talking for the entire Bama fan base, okay? Right. I understand there are some sane Bama fans out there, and tons of them, and a lot of them are my friends. Yep. And one of them, again, Chris Stewart, voice of the Crimson Tide. Yep. Love listening to Chris call the Tide games, okay? He does it as a Bama fan, and I got no problem with that. He's paid for. He's, he's paid by the Crimson Tide Sports Network, okay? Yep. Yep. So I got yep. no problem with him being for the Crimson Tide. Uh, but, boy, howdy, if you're a fan, you just can't. You just can't act like that. So there's a lot of things about this Bama team that I don't like. There's a lot of things about this Bama team that I think the country won't like. And when they get out of Birmingham, they're going to hear it. So. You're right about that. You're right. About, all right. We'll, we'll get off the of Alabama. We'll, give me, we're going to a couple uh, SEC tournament bracket tidbits Woo. outside of Alabama. Who do you like? Who do you think could win a couple games? But, you know, you got a lot of mid-level seeds, six, seven, eight seeds. You got Kentucky. You got Arkansas. You got, you know, Auburn is a nine seed playing in Birmingham. Give me a couple of teams that you think in the SEC that could win a couple games. Well, look, let's kind of run through this. Tennessee is a four seed in the East. This is a team that up until the last couple of weeks of the regular season was thought to maybe be a two seed. Right. Uh, but they lose the Kai Ziegler, their point guard. And let's face it, Rick Barnes is still trying to figure out how to play without his point guard. Understandably so. Um, they draw a really good Louisiana team, Sunbelt Conference champions in a 4-13 matchup. Yeah. If Tennessee manages to get by them, I don't see them going much further than that. I don't. They got I don't. Duke in round two. Yeah, I, I don't think Tennessee makes the Sweet Sixteen. I don't. Kentucky as a six seed, another very iffy team. So young. Uh, Coach Calipari has been fantastic, but again, this is a team that's very young. They get an eleven seed Providence team that a lot of folks are picking. I don't think the Cats can win more than maybe one game at best. Texas A and M probably underseeded at seven. Yeah. In the Midwest, they get a Thursday night game against the 10 seed Penn State. I don't know a lot about Penn State, but I hear folks talk and they like the Nittany, Nittany Lions. And so we'll see. I think Buzz Williams, though, uh, he's got a he's got a he's got a chip on chip his shoulder. On it, I agree. I think they're going to beat Penn State, and and I think so too. I, I would I would take Texas A and M maybe even to make the Sweet Sixteen. And that would so real quick that would set up a second round matchup with the bitter rivals of the Longhorns of Texas potentially an A and M Texas second round matchup. But that's just a coincidence. Yeah, the, I know. The, the, the committee just... doesn't work on doesn't look at that when they're putting no, these brackets together. Strictly no. a coincidence. Um, that would love that Texas A&M and Texas and look, Texas is one of those teams. Again, I, I think can, 
win it all. There's only right, a right. handful I think they can win it, but Texas is one of them. So that that may be where the Texas A and M run ends. For Missouri, they're such a great story. A first year head coach in Dennis Gates, yep. who is the coolest customer. Yes, the building man. He's just so cool and calm and collected. His team plays lights out for him. They get a ten seed Utah State, one of the last teams in yep. uh, to make the field. Um, Missouri, I think, could win a game or two, but everybody's dark horse in in the SEC is Arkansas, and I would have to agree with them. I think the toughest road is going to be the opening game. The nine seed Illinois will not be an easy easy matchup for them on Thursday afternoon. But Eric Musselman's got some real talent. They got the key pieces of their offense back late in the year. Yeah, um, you know the the the, the freshman All American Nick Smith. Uh, that's the guy who didn't play until the last two weeks of the regular season. Right. And now he's feeling it. He's in, in you know, a, a regular member of the rotation now. I think Arkansas could probably do the most damage. Uh, we I, I didn't mention Auburn. We, we've skipped Auburn. I think it's going to be a tough road for Auburn. I love Bruce Pearl. I love what he's done with that program. I'm just not sure he's got – the man they got the break of all breaks getting to play an hour and a half down the road in Birmingham against potentially Houston in round two. So, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be the jungle in Birmingham for Auburn. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but there again, I'm just not sure he has the manpower uh, to get, to get past the Iowa in the opening round on Thursday. Hope so, because it would set up a great matchup. You would think with Houston uh, on Saturday, which would be terrific. And for Alabama, I, I I think this is the year Alabama's going to have to beat themselves. I do think there's a couple of teams that could get them for the national title, Yeah, uh, perhaps keep them out of it. Our buddy, uh, we were talking to Pete Gillen, the CBS yeah. sports uh, uh, analyst earlier in the year, guy who coached, I think, 22 seasons at the D1 level. Yep. He picked Marquette to knock off Bama in the semis. Yep. I think it could be that, or it could be Texas in the national championship game. If it were me, I, w- I would say Bama makes the Final Four but does not win the national championship. Great insight from Mike Grace, host of the Press Box Radio Show. Uh, pre- what, what is the app? The Press Box Radio app, right? Yeah, you can get it is, yeah, just search the Press Box in the Apple or Google Play stores. Just that simple. And online, it's pressboxradio.com. All right, we're gonna before we're gonna let Mike go. We're gonna ask him a couple more things. We're gonna ask, he's a big baseball guy. We're I know he's a big Braves fan. We're gonna ask. I want, I want to get your thoughts on the new some of the new baseball rules, the pitch clock, the size of the bases, the shifting. Which one of those three do you like the most, and which one do you like the least? Well, I'm trying not to laugh when you mention this because it just it just blows me away that we're making the most dramatic changes that have ever been made to the game of baseball to try to attract a handful of fans who think they would watch more if the games were a little shorter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I think it's much ado about nothing. I think the pitch clock and, and is going to be interesting. I, I will adjust to it. We adjusted to the DH and the national league. That's right. We, ad- we adjusted to interleague play. We'll, we'll adjust to it. It'll be fine, but it'll be weird in, in, in the early going and wait till, you know, we saw the very first game the Braves played in, in right. spring training and on a, on a on a batter's violation, him him called out in the batter's box for not being ready for the pitch. The first time that happens in in the regular season, the first time it happens in the postseason. That's right. Oh boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be something else. The shift is something that look. I'm I'm picking the Braves, Matt Olson, to be the National League Most Valuable Player. He uh, he he and Freddie Freeman are a lock, man. With the with the two hole now open for them right. or the four hole, pardon me. Uh, that that part on the right side with the second baseman no longer there, they're going to eat that up. Uh, I think the first day in, in spring training 
uh, Matt Olson had three singles all to the right side <laughs> right. of the infield. Going to tear that up. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with it. But again, I I think we're blowing up the game. You know, why why can't why can't you defend the way you want to defend as a as right. a defensive coach? It's the other thing that I miss about the designated hitter. I understand not wanting to watch a pitcher hit, but I love the strategy that was involved in a manager's decision to leave a guy in or to take him out. I'm for, I'm for now tying it to the DH. Okay. And in your starting pitcher, if you, if you pull your starting pitcher, then you lose your DH. Again, that would bring back a little more of that strategy and decision-making for the head coach as to whether I pull my pitcher here or not. Um, and, and whether I let my, this DH go in and bat. So I, I missed that strategy part of it. And the bases, I don't know. Again, we opened this, this podcast by talking about how old I am, man. I remember Lou Brock and, and, uh, Vince and Coleman and Ricky Henderson feeling a hundred bases a year. Okay. Somebody's going to do that this year. I don't think there's any doubt. Somebody's going to do that. When I think the leading base dealer last year was maybe 40 something. Yeah. Right. I think in the forties. Yep. Yeah. So you're going to have somebody steal a hundred bases this year. Count on it, man. Interesting. What do you give us a quick synopsis of the Braves? I know that's a team you follow pretty closely. Um, really, really surprised by the Sean Murphy deal in the off season, but I like it. Um, he and Travis Darno, I think will make a, a fantastic combo. Uh, Darno and, and Contreras were great, but certainly Sean Murphy is an upgrade there. I'm not all that concerned. Look, I hate that they, they lost Dansby. I really am just from a fan standpoint, he and yep. Freddie Freeman to lose them in back-to-back seasons is really hard, but there again, we'll adjust. We live without Freddie. Uh, it was emotional when he came back, but we lived without him. We'll live without Dansby, and we'll pull for him when he's not playing against the Braves. But when he comes back to Truist Park, <laughs> we're going to be booing him, okay? It's just the way it is. Um, we love you, Dansby, until you come up here in those in those Chicago pinstripe, and, and then we don't, we don't uh, love you as much anymore. Um, I think Vaughn Grissom will be fine at shortstop. I think he'll be fine defensively. He's working with a guy named Ron Washington, who is the yep. – I mean, come on, he is the – uh, infield guru. Oh yeah, he's the infield whisperer when it comes to guys like that. I think they I think the Braves are going to be better this year than they were last year. Look, they had such a magical season when they won the whole thing, but I think they're going to be better with a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. back, a healthy Ozzy Albies back, a a uh, Austin Riley who should tear things up again at third base. Left field is a bit of a concern, but you see what Marcelo Zuna did yesterday? I did. Ozuna had two or three hits, a couple of doubles as well. I think he's hitting around the 300 mark in spring training. If Ozuna could give us any kind of production like that out of left field, I think they'll be fine. I think Matt Olson really is a legitimate MVP candidate at first base. Uh, but the problem with is, is the NL East, man. What yeah, the Mets have Mets, done, what the Phillies yeah. have done, it is an absolutely loaded, uh, absolutely loaded division. But I think I saw this note. You'll have to go back and check on me. I think the Mets, hang on, i got to find the right. I want to make sure I get the right stat on this. I don't, I don't want to mess this up. And it's don't about, let Mike Soroka come back and be a force on the pitching staff. Who's, you know, he was off. His trajectory was tremendous before he hurt his Achilles a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, the the pitching is going to be interesting. Max Fried will be fantastic. Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, Ian Anderson just today. Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder sent down to Triple A. All that. So it won't be them probably as our fifth starter for the Braves. In order to catch the Braves in division titles since joining in 1994. The Mets would need to need a win the National League East every year from now until 2037. <laughs> so Mets, take that and have fun with it. Um, I, I, I like the Braves to at least compete for the National League East, hopefully win it again for what would be, what, I guess the fifth straight year. 
Yeah. Uh, and 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 compete for a chance. Let's let's bring another World Series trophy back to Truist Park. Who, by the way, piled in 3.1 million fans a year right. ago. I think they're expected to do that. They've already cut off season ticket sales because give the audience a sense of that park. I've never been there. Is it a? It's a new park in the last four or five years. Talk about the park a little bit, real quick. The the, the park itself is great. It, it, it's 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 40,000, maybe a little less than 40,000 is what it seats. But it's not just the stadium, it's what they did. And this is the new thing in Major League Baseball. And it's it's huge for a number of reasons for the Braves. It's not just the stadium, it's the area around it called the Battery. That all the, the real estate, all the land is owned by the Atlanta Braves Baseball Club. So they're getting revenue now from leasing those properties, that space, 12 months out of the year. Okay, so revenue is coming in 12 months out of the year. And that's a, that's a big thing for Atlanta, especially with what's going on with the RSNs, the Bally Sports bankruptcy and all right, that jazz. Right. Um, I think the Braves are one of the few teams that actually make money for Bally through their television things. There are a number of them. I think I saw the Guardians in Cleveland, the Reds in Cincinnati, the Padres in, in San Diego, and maybe one other franchise, can't remember, who Bally's just losing their shirt doing those, those broadcasts. And so yep. with this bankruptcy, I would expect those franchises to have some trouble with their TV in the future. I think we're going to be okay as far as the Braves go. But, yeah, that, that park is fantastic. And, again, don't just come for the game. Come for uh, lunch beforehand. Stay for dinner afterwards. It's a fantastic entertainment complex with all kinds of stores and restaurants and bars and really cool things. And this is a, a really neat place to, to enjoy a baseball game. we got to get you up from Tampa. I, I, have a, I have a limited season ticket package. i got 27 games. Uh, for the season, you so got it. Summer Tampa. trip. We'll make a little oh, summer I'll, summer I'll, weekend. I will. I would love to uh, treat you to a, to an afternoon or evening at Truist Park, my friend. I I will take you up on that. I'll give a shout out to my buddy Chuck DJ DJ Chuck J. He's a he's a DJ in Battery Park for the Braves games. He does yeah. a lot of home game stuff. So give out a shout out to my guy Chuck. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, Mike Grace. Well, I appreciate it. And by, by the way, Mike Grace is a one bracket guy. One bracket's all you do, Thank right? You. That's one bracket. Come on. You can't do seven brackets. So <laughs> you get one bracket, one bracket, one bracket. All right. Last thing I'll get you out of here. I give you full permission today on Wednesday. Your Mississippi State Bulldog season is over. You can go have your favorite dessert for lunch today. Okay. Yeah. Get yeah a, whatever yeah, ice cream, cherry pie, whatever it is you like. You can have yep, a, yep. one big portion now that your Bulldog season's over. Okay. I got, I got a, I got a brand new uh, bag of the Snickers minis. <laughs> that have been chilling overnight in the fridge. Just got to put them in the fridge, let them chill a little bit. So I'll, I'll be eating my share of Snickers minis today, uh, trying to uh, soothe the pain of watching my Bulldogs go down last night. Yeah. Well, Mike Grace, host of the Press Box Radio Show, really appreciate it. Don't fire me before Easter. Let me at least get no to way. Easter before you fire me. <laughs> You're welcome. Great radio show heard all around the Southeast. Go find them online again, eight to ten Eastern time, Monday through Friday, seven to nine Central time in Alabama, Tennessee, parts of Georgia, all that good stuff. Continue the great work, man. Appreciate you. Let me be a part of what you're doing, and we'll talk again real soon. And we'll see you tomorrow in the press box on pressboxradio.com. All right, have a great week, folks, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Good luck with your bracket. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast.
Have a great week.